Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, what's cracking? This is Darren Fatman McDuffie helping you become perfectly healthy and toned. Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Toned Radio brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. So what's going on on the uh, agenda tonight? Tonight we have uh, Corey Brackett who's coming on to talk about Sweet Misery, which is a, a documentary that she produced uh, a, a long time ago, but the documentary is still relevant today, I think, because we still have people out there who are uh, consuming aspartame, who are in Diet Coke, for example, and there's a lot of people out there, and I know I used to be one of the big uh, consumers of uh, bodybuilding supplements myself, and I know that this stuff is in bodybuilding uh, supplements as well. So, But before we get her on and, and begin talking with her, just remember to connect with me on social media. You can connect, connect with me on fat, uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. You can also connect with me on Twitter at I'm the fat, the fat underscore man. And then also connect with me on Pinterest. It's I'm the fat man on Pinterest as well. And I'm the fat man on Instagram. And I wanted to inform you, I believe the week before last, we missed last week with the show, I said something about having a shoulder injury, and my shoulder is now miraculously healed. So I'm pretty stoked about that, and I know that um, I'll be getting back into the gym tomorrow because I thought I was going to go crazy without being able to um, visit the gym. But without further ado, let's get into the show and let's bring Corey on. She is the producer of a documentary called Sweet Misery, and it, it kind of explains everything that you need to know about aspartame. And I rewatched it. I watched it about five years ago and um, and just refreshed it uh, probably within a day or so. I rewatched the documentary and, uh, and it's still, like I said, very, very relevant today. So let's bring uh, Corey on. Aaron, thank you very much for having me, and, and congratulations on your healed shoulder. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was share, sharing with the audience. I thought I, I tore my rotator cuff, and uh, mm-hmm. for some reason um, I was looking at, I thought I'd spoken with someone who did the same thing, and they said it took them about four or five months, but my shoulder seems to be a lot better, so I'll be able to get back into the gym tomorrow because I thought I was going to go crazy without <laughs> being, <laughs> being able to work out, and I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. But, um, Corey, let's talk about your background. Um, how did you start doing um, the uh, – how did you come about this documentary, Sweet Misery? Just give us a little bit of your story. Sure. Well, it, it was – is something that I had never planned on doing. I had a, a small kind of mom and pop type of video production company. We did, you know, industrials, commercials, music videos, things like that. And in 2001, in the fall, I began to get paresthesia, numbness, and tingling in my hands and feet. And hey, Corey, Corey can you call? Yeah, 
can you call right back in? I'm getting a little um a bit of a delay in your um in your voice. It's like a weird sound. Can you call right back in? Oh sure, no problem. I'll be right okay. back. All right, so Blog Talk Radio might be having some issues today. Um, hopefully it's not on my end with the Internet. I don't think it is, but we'll we'll get her to call back in and, and see what's going on. So bear with me while we wait for her to call back in and see if we can get the, the sound a little bit better. So while that's going on, while I'm waiting for her to give a call back in, okay, there she is. All right, hopefully we can hear you better now. Hello, how's this? That is right on, spot on. Right, oh, good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um, I know you, you do Blog Talk Radio as well, correct? Yes, yes, I have a okay. show. Currently it's once a month um, on the second Friday of the month. Oh, okay. At yeah, 12 just, noon. Okay, yeah, time. I was just saying, um, you know, Blog Talk can have some issues, and I think I was... I have someone else who is on my as a Facebook friend, and she was saying that she had issues with blog talk the other day. But you know, we're we're mm-hmm. good, and I'm glad. So let's kind of get back into your story before before we move on. Okay, yeah, I was a very heavy drinker of diet soda, about a six pack per day for 20 years. I mean, I was heavily addicted to the subject, the substance, and. Then I got the paresthesia in my legs and feet and my hands and feet. And I didn't um, connect the two things at first. I was very, um, you know, disparate in my thinking processes. But I knew that something was terribly wrong. It wasn't just the sniffles or bronchitis or something. It was something serious. And I just didn't feel write about it it felt it, in my gut it felt something was really wrong and i went to the neurologist and she diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis and this was back in 2002 mm-hmm. and i was i just kept going downhill i was on the medications for a year i i didn't know any better at that point and i was just terrified of everything that was happening to me so but it kept getting worse and worse until the point that I had double vision and slurred speech and I was in a wheelchair. And my neurologist had told me, once you're in a wheelchair, always in a wheelchair. And all of these really wonderful, encouraging things. (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh my goodness, that's the largest lesion I've ever seen in the center of your head. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not a terribly wonderful thing. It sounds like you're telling me some cocktail thing, like, oh, that's a beautiful necklace. Well, I got that at Sears or something. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't really what I wanted to be talking about. It was my body, and it was horrifying. And I started to do more and more research, and slowly I started seeing a connection between aspartame and MS. And... I began, I I got off of it, I had gone off of it, and I was trying a whole bunch of different things to get better. I I did acupuncture, and I took some supplements, uh, selenium and magnesium, and um, cordyceps, lion's mane, two of the mushrooms that are out there. And I tried a lot of different things to get better. 
And finally, when I was able to walk again, despite what my neurologist told me, I decided that I was going to tell as many people as I could about this issue and learn as much as I could about this issue so that I wasn't just spouting off, you know, a hysterical comment, an opinion. I wanted to get information from doctors, lawyers, activists, and other people that were out there, and I compiled the documentary Sweet Misery, A Poison World. And that was followed by the sequel, which is Sweet Remedy, The, the World Reacts. Okay, yeah, I have, I have to watch that one. I don't think I watched Sweet Remedy. I watched uh, Sweet Misery. And mm-hmm. um, that's actually available on YouTube's for free. YouTube for free. If anybody's out there watching, just go in and type in Sweet Misery, and it'll come up, and you can watch it. And I actually am able to stream it to my TV and watch it. So I, I would recommend, great. though, going to Cynodyme the Cynodyme version on YouTube because there are a lot of folks that will watch that documentary and they get so hyped up and they think, we've got to tell the world too. And then they put it on YouTube and it's like weeds (laughs) that sprout up. And I appreciate their good intentions, but Cynodyme is connected to Journeyman Pictures, which is my um, distributor. And so that helps a little bit. Yeah, I believe that's the version that I actually watched because I remember when it, it came up, it had a little intro, and then it went into Sweet Misery. So that's the version that I actually watched. Mm-hmm. Um, let's discuss the components or the makeup of aspartame, and can you kind of explain um, what some of the drawbacks or the side effects uh, of it will be? Well, there are three breakdown components of aspartame. Two of them are amino acids, phenylalanine and aspartic acid. And if you know anything about chemistry, you would think, oh, well, those are fine for the body. We need um, amino acids. One is essential amino acid, means meaning we can't produce it in our bodies, and the other one is a non-essential. But the thing is they're separated from other amino acids. In nature, they're usually in harmony and balance with one another. And they're also maybe 3% of the food molecule. In aspartame, they're 40% and 50% um, relative, you know, the two amino acids. So they're basically flooding our system with a single, with two amino acids that are free roaming. And it's not, it's not healthy and it's not good. It's kind of like, gouging on cake to the point that you're like, oh, I can't take it anymore. You're just giving your body too much that it can handle. And the other thing is the other 10% of the molecule, which is not much when you think about it, but it is when you realize that this is a real poison that the FDA even calls a, a real toxic thing. We shouldn't be even looking at the substance, much less consuming it, and that is methanol. A tablespoon of of the uh, substance will kill you. I mean, it's a very potent toxin. And they somehow got it approved to the FDA through a lot of finagling and problematic, you know, politics and, and PR and lobbying and all of that fun stuff. 
and it's in our food supply, and it's now in 6,000-some products throughout the world. Um, and it can cause numerous problems because it affects the um, brain and spinal cord, the nervous system. And when those things happen, it it affects a lot of different things. It's almost, you know, it's a superconductor of the orchestra of our human body. And so it can really affect a lot of things. But some of the things that happen are uh, lupus, chronic fatigue, MS, brain cancer. Um, some of the symptoms are headache and dizziness. They range from that to... Um, like thinking in a fog and memory loss to sudden cardiac death. So it's a pretty serious thing. It's not just um, a kid's toy. Unfortunately, I've seen mothers putting diet soda into their uh, their infant's baby bottle. Mm. I talked to a friend on Facebook today who said her father in her stepfather was in a nursing home because he had Parkinson's, and that's another thing that aspartame can cause. Um, it can precipitate diabetes. It, it's it's just a nasty, nasty substance, and it's very sneaky because even though it caused a lot of problems when it first came out on the market, there were a lot of people that had problems immediately with it. As time goes on and it's become pervasive in our food supply, there aren't as many people out there who are trying it for the first time. And um, people, even the uh, Dr. Russell Blaylock, he's a neurosurgeon. I spoke with him for both Sweet Misery and Sweet Remedy. And he says that even if you say, oh, well, I, I take aspartame and it doesn't seem to bother me at all, in the long run, you will still get more um, prolific and profound symptoms. I actually say when somebody has an immediate reaction to aspartame, they're one of the lucky ones because instead of getting a headache and dizziness, you might get MS or brain brain tumor. Those things take longer to manifest themselves. Yeah. Uh, on the on the documentary, I remember um, they said that brain tumors were on the rise. Has that kind of subsided, or is it still rising? Are there still people out there who are still consuming these these types of products? There's still people out there, unfortunately, who are consuming the prop the the, the substance, and I don't see brain cancer going down really much at all. It's becoming more of a common. Thing in our society, and we also have other things that cause brain tumors besides aspartame. We're flooding our bodies with toxins throughout the environment and the air we breathe, the food we drink, the I mean, the food we eat, the, the liquid, the water we drink. Almost mm -hmm. everything is really just flooding our systems with toxins and onslaughts of problems. Uh, you know, cell phones. Uh, putting them up to our ears. There was a study done 10, 12 years ago about a causing brain cancer, a Swedish study on the side of the of the head where we put our phones. And that's become a joke in 
movies and television, you know, they might joke about, oh, I'm going to get brain cancer when when they're having their their phone up to their ear. And it's kind of like, oh, that's so funny. But it is part of the real science. There just yeah. are numerous things. Aspartame is a very um, strong example of the problems that are endemic to our society, our FDA our, you know, our culture, the how we live. Yeah, on the on the documentary, and I had to watch um, Dr. Blaylock speak before on on something else. He'd actually, um, I watched him on this thing where they did. Uh, he had quoted a study where they changed people's nutrition in prison and found out that people who were habitual defenders or offenders, I mean, were actually pretty much straightened out by just changing their nutrition. And I thought that that was very, very profound. But something he talked about on your documentary, I wanted you to kind of comment on. And that is uh, he linked aspartame and MSG together as excitotoxins. And I don't think that people know what an excitotoxin is. Can you explain that? And also he started talking about, and I think, on one segment of the video, you told him to talk about the um, the blood-brain barrier and how these things uh, kind of cross over. So I don't know if that's too much of a loaded question. Maybe you can take part one and then, uh, you know, talk about part two. Sure. Um, well, now I was thinking about part two, and I forget part one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question I think, again? I think I might have forgotten part one. Oh, the the fact <laughs> that part <laughs> that it was an excitotoxin that. Um, oh yes, I, yes. Okay. Doctor John Olney, um, in the lab, he discovered that MSG caused holes in the brains of lab mice, and this was early on at the time when they put MSG boldly into baby food, and. Um, I spoke with Jim Turner, who's a consumer attorney, and he worked with Dr. John Olney to get MSG out of baby food based on Dr. Olney's findings. And they were successful, but the the very ironic, crafty, typical thing of of big business is they took out MSG from baby food, but they put in, I forget which one it was, but MSG but goes by several different names now, and they all have the same effect, like yeast extract, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, um, monosodium, disodium, disodium, uh, monopotassium glutamate, I'm sorry, different things like that, and they all create problems but they actually have looked they have pictures of the brain brain of mice in the lab and they show MSG destroying the brain and that's in the documentary Sweet Misery but it's it just it's a horrible problem and John, Dr. John only also discovered that aspartic acid from aspartame does the exact same thing to you know lab mice so it's that he he coined the term excitotoxicity or excitotoxins to describe a substance that literally causes the neurons in the brain to get all excited and, and move frenetically and excite themselves literally to death Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why we're having a big problem? I know that um, I have 
an uncle now who's going through dementia. I lost a, an aunt to the same thing. And then I also, my grandmother ended up having Alzheimer's. And I'm wondering if, I don't know what they consumed, but I know that a lot of these things are in our food supply. Do you think that's why we're seeing such a rise in all of these um, degenerative uh, neurological disorders? Personally, I really do. I have to mention that I'm a researcher. I'm not a doctor. So um, please do not consider my voice the word of the certified God in our society that can stand on his pedestal. But um, it is a problem, and I think we're beginning to make some changes. There's a huge organic movement which I do believe is very important. There's a big farmer's market movement. There's aquaponics, which is growing in popularity, where you grow food and fish together, and it becomes a symbiotic, harmonious relationship. And those things are working with the earth, not trying through our own hubris to conquer the earth, which is what we've been doing for the last 50, 60, 100, 200 millennia years. Um, in a lot of ways, we've had the wrong attitude about the this wonderful planet that we live on and what we can do to work with it to to help it help us instead of trying to conquer it and cut down the trees and put pesticides on all the plants and stuff we're 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 destroying what we have the ability to thrive in we're not able to thrive all of our food is deadened and and pesticide chemical ridden to the point that it's very difficult to go into a supermarket and be able to read the ingredients, pronounce them to begin with, and identify what you're eating. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I just think that we're, I've always kind of said that uh, man is the only animal that will make its own self extinct. And mm -hmm. we're, supposed, we're supposed to be the smartest and have the ability to reason, but yet we keep torturing ourselves by putting different things in the food supply. One of the things I think that confuses people, Corey, is, and this confused me a lot too, when I used to look on like bodybuilding supplements and I look on the back of, for instance, something like a Diet Coke, and I would see phenylalanine. And at the time, even before watching your documentary, I couldn't even pronounce phenylalanine. <laughs> yes. I didn't yes, even know what it is. Yes, it took me a while so, to get it down in my head too. <laughs> but is that a way when someone sees that, that's for, for instance, I go into a, a supplement store, which I don't really even take any supplements anymore when I work out, but someone who's out there who's listening and they go in and they see phenylalanine or they see it on the back of a soda can, is that just a fancy way of saying that it contains aspartame? Well, you know, one of the best, easiest ways to figure out if something is aspartame without having to read through the whole list of ingredients, which can end up being quite long in some products, is they have to put a, a warning on a product that has phenylalanine, which usually means that it has aspartame in it. And the warning is, attention, phenylketonuriacs contains phenylalanine. And so when you're dealing with that, that that is a quick way to see. You're right. Okay. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I always, 
would look on the back of things. And just I think the only thing that saved me from that is I never liked the taste of those drinks. I was like a weird I had Oh, you were lucky. Yeah, I had someone I used to date and she would always drink Diet Coke and I drank a Diet Coke and Diet Coke tasted all right to me and then I noticed something I like I I started being addicted to it. I had to have it. And I'm wondering why is it so addictive? Is it because the aspartame is in there or why can Diet Coke be uh, so addictive? Because I know that you had a really big <laughs> Diet Coke habit at one time. Yes. But did you yes. ever do any research to figure out why it's so addictive? Um, you know, I I believe just the molecule, uh, the aspartame molecule is addictive. It's something that just kind of, you can kind of feel it. And the other thing that I have noticed from personal observation of myself and people around me that I've talked with um, when people get fully addicted to the substance and I, I, it took me a long time to quit. It was hard. Mm. Um, I went through withdrawal. I got to the point where when I stopped drinking diet soda, I got dizzy and I felt weak and hungry, but not really hungry. It was just an awful feeling, worse than when I quit smoking in 2000. Mm-hmm. I used to smoke, and that was not as difficult nearly as diet soda. Yeah, I remember seeing on the uh, documentary there where you look like, there was one picture where you looked like you had gained some weight, and then you could see where you started losing weight. Um, were you able to do any research on on aspartame and its uh, relevancy when it comes to weight gain? And were you did you see that? I know you interviewed a lot of people on a documentary, but did they have any stories for you as far as getting off aspartame and how it helped them uh, manage their weight? Well, personally, I lost seventy pounds when I stopped consuming diet soda. Um, but I can also tell you that there was a study in, I think it was 2005, um, by the University of Texas Health Science Center, um, and they found that the more diet soda a person drank, the higher the risk for becoming overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. So, and there have been other studies, too. There was a study several years ago, not as long as 2005, but they found that diet soda tended to cause weight gain or or tended to increase the risk of being obese or overweight. And I remember the um, researchers of that study were, were perplexed by the results. Because you think a diet soda is going to be, or a diet product is going to help you lose weight, not the other way mm-hmm. around. But mm-hmm. they were surmising or theorizing that it might cause you to crave carbohydrates. And that is true to a certain extent. When I was drinking diet soda, there was nothing that I liked better than to make a big, huge plate of spaghetti, curl up on my couch, click on the TV and drink my Diet Coke and eat my big plate of spaghetti. I love to do that. <laughs> yeah, I um something that I ran across, I don't know if you um you might have heard about this, but and I forgot who I 
uh, got it from, but um, they were saying that even when you drink these diet things, that it opens up something called the uh, cephalic response, and mm-hmm. it causes you. I think that's the thing that causes you to actually crave the uh, the carbohydrate. I, I cannot remember who I I, I knew that from, but um, it's like well, when you're it, on it air, it tricks you- your body into thinking that it's consuming sweets and sugar. But it it kind of messes your body up because it's just kind of giving you a gotcha type of trick, mm-hmm. you know, where you're reaching for something and you don't get it. So your body kind of goes into this weird um, mode trying to get the sweets that it thought it was getting that it didn't get. Yeah. I can't remember who um, I read that from. It's a doctor, but I can't remember. And then it's a, it's a, a her. I can't remember her name. And it's like when you're on the air, you can't remember anything. When you get off, you're like, oh, now I remember. Yes, <laughs> I know that happens. <laughs> um, something I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if um, you know, you've done research on this or if it's from the same family. I noticed that there are a lot of kind of newfangled sweeteners that are coming about. You have uh, sucralose, and then you also have um, erythritol. Are these kind of the same mechanism as aspartame, or are they they totally different, or or do you know? When you get into an artificial sweetener, um, Mm. from what I've, the research I've done, they're pretty much across the board not very good for you. You're far better off drinking a club soda with lemon, and getting used rather than getting used to another artificial sweetener. Uh, Diet Pepsi recently dropped aspartame. They're going to be unveiling it. I think it's in August. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you about But they've that. announced it. Yeah. But they're replacing the aspartame with Splenda, sucralose, mm. which is not also not terribly good. There's a uh, Dr. Mercola wrote a very good book uh, called Sweet Deception. And um, he talks about the lack of long-term studies with Splenda and stomach problems, allergic reactions, dizziness, seizures, severe migraines, um, and there are kidney and liver problems that have been shown with being associated with sucralose. So I'm even though I'm cheering about the fact that Pepsi um, took, is taking out aspartame, I'm not exactly jumping up and down for joy over that because I do think it's replacing one toxin with another. But the one thing I will say is the other artificial sweeteners are not as bad as aspartame. They're still bad, but they're not as bad. They're kind of the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. I've never had Splenda in my life, and I don't really intend to. <laughs> but yeah. um, it, it came out after I had the problems with aspartame, and I was, I was so paranoid about my food supply and what they were doing to me or could do to me <laughs> that I just wanted to eat a <laughs> carrot stick, and that was about it. Yeah, I I know they're still selling. I I think I was in a BJ's, which is kind of like a Sam's Club here. I, you probably have BJ's out there as well, but um, you still see people. I saw a lady with a big yellow bag of Splendid, and I'm like, oh no, why is she doing that? Uh huh. <laughs> so a lot of people still believe in that that stuff. And I remember the first book that I got that kind of 
taught me how to eat, which was a body for life. They had a lot of recipes in there with Splenda. And I think that was before everybody knew about the artificial sweeteners. And that was just a way Mm -hmm. to kind of cut the calories and, you know, be able to to stay fit. fit. um, Well, there's stevia, which is an um, all-natural sweetener. There's... In the regular supermarkets, there's Truvia and Purvia, which are made by Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And, of course, they're um, made to be completely, you know, patentable, Mm -hmm. which a plant cannot be so that they can make more money off of it. Um, And I, I don't use those products. I would prefer to go to a health store and get, stevia when I use it um, or buy a plant <laughs> and that is the best way because it's it's really great when you buy it from a plant there's no additives at all and it just the plant the leaf and it tastes really good <laughs> yeah it's, I, I actually use it and um, I remember the first time I used it I thought that I would just dump a teaspoon in it like I dumped a teaspoon in it in coffee and like, oh my god this stuff is too sweet before I knew that you only had to use a little bit I think it's like 10 times sweeter than, than sugar so you only have to use a, a little bit and I've used it to kind of sweeten desserts and, and different things um, with Diet Coke and I know that there's it seems to be more women Diet Coke and Diet Lemonade and all this stuff uh, that, that they consume But And I also notice about the depression, and I believe that one of the doctors... Yeah, mood disorders. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask about that um, and, you know, what actually actually happens when they consume aspartame to kind of make the change the mood or make them depressed. It affects the serotonin levels in the brain. Um, So it deals with your mood, and it can definitely create severe mood problems and mood disorders and it it just it it's a horrible thing because when you're depressed and it's because you're consuming a certain thing be it cookies or diet soda or smoking or whatever it'll make you depressed but what do you want to turn to when you're depressed your comfort foods or substances So it makes you want to consume more diet soda or cookies or cigarettes more so because you're depressed and you want comfort. You want to feel a little bit better. And all of those things will make you feel better for a moment, but they will ultimately make you feel much worse. Yeah, I think those cookies and all that stuff, too, and that's very detrimental to people with hypoglycemia as well. Yeah, yeah. So that can kind of... Be a real yeah. big uh, and, and even though they try to to promote aspartame to diabetics, I would really avoid that substance greatly, especially if you're diabetic, because as I mentioned before, it can precipitate diabetes, but it can really wreak havoc with your blood sugar levels and all that, and just really create problems. Um, I had hypoglycemia fits all the time when I was on aspartame, and I haven't had one since I stopped using aspartame. Wow. 
that leads me to the next question. Is there a test for aspartame poisoning? Can we test someone's levels? Has, has anyone invented something out there to say, hey, you know what, this person needs to, to detox from aspartame? And is there a way to detox from aspartame? Um, yeah, yeah. The, um, Dr. David Getoff mentions to me that he always puts people on liver and kidney support when he's detoxing someone. As far as Tesco, the only person that I know of who I don't know if she has a specific test for aspartame poisoning, but I think you kind of know if you have problems with aspartame because you consume it yourself and you can kind of gauge, well, because it is toxic and so when you when you consume and you have a tendency to consume a lot or people do when they're you know cuz it it grows on you you might start out with one. the the recommendation by the way is now one a week for diet sodas one one serving of diet soda a week and it used to be one a day before that it was oh no it's fine you can drink however many you want to but it's been going down and that's in the mainstream so people are becoming more aware of it. But I think, oh, the the doctor who um, might have a test for it is named Dr. Janet Star Hull. And she does hair analysis. And she also had problems with aspartame herself. She had Graves' disease. She wrote the book Sweet Poison. I know that's on Amazon, and she also has a website a couple of them. If you do a Google search on Dr. Janet Starr, S-T-A-R-R, Hull, H-U-L-L, um, you'll be able to find her pretty easily. Yeah, I'm going to have to look her up and check her out and see what she's uh, what she's uh, talking about. Yeah, um, my... she would be wonderful for your show, too, Darren. She she does. I've had her on my show at least three or four times. Okay. Great. I will check her out. One of the things, I I came from a background of, of pharmaceuticals. I used to be in the pharmaceutical industry as a rep. And mm. I remember going in to speak with doctors all the time, and I would be armed with my studies. And it wasn't until I got out <laughs> of the, the industry. All the studies that they wanted you to show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it wasn't oh, until I got out I can't of believe the I'm talking to you, Darren. We're going to have to hang up. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I came from the dark side. What can I say? But um, <laughs> but uh, it taught me a lot. But I remember it wasn't until I got out of the industry, Corey, that I realized that these studies that I was handing doctors and showing doctors about my drugs were actually paid for by my company. And it's really, yeah. it was really intriguing to me to look at everything that was going on, how, how aspartame was actually – uh, it was uh, kind of declined. We knew that something was wrong with it, and they still put it on the market. But I wanted you to talk about the studies, it's particularly, I believe there was a study with monkeys. And what went oh, on? Oh, yes, the Wayson study. Yeah. They studied seven monkeys, and they fed them aspartame with milk, which actually should help the absorption of the aspartame. So it was kind of slanted towards favor of aspartame. But in that study, 
five of the monkeys had grand mal seizures on this study, and one of them died. Mm. And it still got approved. <laughs> yeah, I remember in the in the documentary, um, Donald Rumsfeld, my main man, Donald Rumsfeld. Oh yeah, <laughs> he got <laughs> involved with this thing and pushed it through. And I, it's just amazing to me because I've seen this happen with. If you look in the pharmaceutical drugs in the archives, you see where the exact same thing has happened. And these drugs still get pushed on the market because I was a witness of a drug that was pushed in, into the market and it came out with a black box warning. And then the company never admitted that it was causing what it was causing. But it's always amazing to me to see how many people are in bed together. You have the FDA, the CDC. Then you have Donald Rumsfeld who says that it, it, it's just amazing. If you can talk on that, that would be be great. Yes, yeah, it is an amazing um, thing that we allow to happen in this country, especially. Um, it, it's Aspartame is actually, I think, a very, uh, it's an early and very specific, clear, obvious example of the, the malfeasance of and the disruption of our whole entire pharmaceutical um, chemical additives culture that looks for profit, not for people's safety. Um, but Donald Rumsfeld was the head of the CEO of G.D. Searle from 1978 until its approval in 81 um, in dry foods. And he um, was also at that time in Reagan's transition team. Um, he was He was just... Unfortunately, it's a very early example of revolving door policy. And they're all buddies. All these people are friends and, you know, co- uh, colleagues and peers with each other. They're they're one great big happy family, and it's unfortunate. David Kendall was the president CEO of Pepsi Company in the early days of the approval of aspartame. And he was also an advisor to President Nixon. He was like his closest non-governmental advisor. And um, Donald Rumsfeld was on Nixon's cabinet, on Nixon's team at that time. And Ronald Reagan, when he first got into office, one of the first things he did was halt a, a board of inquiry that had been Um, put together to study whether or not aspartame should be approved because before that, during Nixon's days and Carter's days and all that, it was approved in 74, then disapproved because there were questions about its safety. And then this board of inquiry came up and then they they were tied. There were like two people or, you know, whatever that were against it and and the same amount that were for it being approved. And this was by the time that Reagan got into office. And one of the first things he did was replace the then FDA commissioner with a new commissioner, Arthur Hell Hayes. And one of the first things he did was overrule the board of inquiry that had been tied to approve it. So it was awful. But then David Donald Kendall, who was the president and CEO of 
PepsiCo, he approved Pepsi to have aspartame in it. So it's all one crony after another crony after another crony. This <laughs> one great big huge web of favors and politics and patting each other on the back. Yeah, it's all about money. And it's ironic, and I found this out through doing some research myself after I got out of the industry, of how it's such a revolving door. You have people who will work for the FDA, and then they'll go in and work for the pharmaceutical company. And that went on with aspartame. You have, I believe you have people that were defending um, aspartame or something to that effect. I'm not sure. And then they were promised jobs within the pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And they they yeah. only give these lucrative jobs. Mhm. Yeah, they they would they would be um in charge of the investigation or, you know, something like that and then all of a sudden they would be given a job at GD Searle's law firm or PR firm for a lot of money. And that's something that is really pervasive in government and private industry. They they go back and forth between a corporation and the government. I mean, the the VP of um, the FDA. Right? Uh, I mean, the the head of the FDA was the VP of Monsanto. Yeah, Michael. Uh, I can't remember his Friedman. name. Friedman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's all pervasive, and it it happens all the time. And we need to we need to put an end to this practice. Yeah, it's been going on for a long time. I remember uh, in the pharma and doing some research on that. And I have all this in my um, uh, a thing that I people, if they can subscribe, I send out an audio and I tell the story of all of this in the audio. But it's crazy how this stuff is going on and these people just go back and forth and back and forth. So who's out there actually looking out for us? Really, it's, it's no one. Right. You really can't, yeah, yeah, it's really no one. Um, the last question I had for you, and um, I believe this was probably near the end of the documentary, I was very, very curious about what happened with Diane Fleming. Is she still in oh, prison? She is. Oh, she no. She is still in prison. I feel horrible about that. She's been in it in prison since 2000. For those of you who don't know <laughs> what we're talking about, yeah. Diane Fleming was convicted of murdering her husband. And uh, it happened very suddenly. He was out. um, He had been playing basketball with his friends, a friendly game of basketball. And he really didn't feel very well. So he came home, went to work, I think, the next day. And he didn't feel good, so he came home from there. And pretty soon he said, I think I have to go to the hospital and he then ended up falling into, I think, a coma, and he had a brain bleed, and he died. And they they pinned it on Diane Fleming, and she has been in in prison for 14 years. Her daughter was like seven or eight when she went in, and now she's in her 20s. And it's like, wait a minute, that isn't right. You know, um, I she, mean, did she ever um, try to? Uh repeal her case or what yeah, happened? Yeah, she's been in, in continual appeal after appeal after appeal. And there are some people in the whole anti-aspartame movement who, 
disagree with aspartame being the cause of her being in prison, to be honest with you, but I do believe in her innocence. I think there are other things that can come into play, some thoughts on creatine and, uh, you know, different stuff that he was doing that wasn't very healthy. You're supposed to put creatine in water, for example. He put it in great Gatorade, and he used a lot more than he should have. So there are a lot of things out there that are going on that that are, but I feel so bad for her because of her I mean being in prison is an awful thing. I mean she she sticks out like a sore thumb. When yeah, I met I, her, no. I felt like I should be having tea and crumpets with her in her parlor <laughs> rather than yeah. being in prison talking with her in a jumpsuit, but she um you know, as I, she just doesn't belong there. And all of the prison guards, they get along with her great. It's like they all know she's innocent. They keep trying. She keeps not quite being able to get there. It's hard. It's difficult for her to get good legal defense. Um, she has a, a Facebook page. It's called Free Diane Fleming. I'll have to check There's it a out. woman who's working tirelessly on her case right now. Yeah, because on your documentary, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I'm probably, say I'm probably 99% when I see someone. Mm-hmm. I kind of know just by looking at them. And when I looked at her, I was like, this lady's innocent. <laughs> why is she Yeah. In, why is she in prison? And then, like you said, she sticks out like a sore thumb. Sore thumb. She was really, really nice. But also you could see as you were filming that she was re- she just looked honest. She said, I didn't have anything to do with this. And it seems like she was it was just true. And you could see it in her see it mm-hmm. in her eyes. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, she's been in there since 2000. So she's been there yeah. 15 years. Wow. Yeah, it, That's it's great. it's horrifying. It yeah, really is. It, it's unjust and unfair. Our our um, legal system is somewhat flawed <laughs> yeah yeah to say the least yes <laughs> um last question for you Corey. um why is aspartame still on the market why are we still using it we know what <laughs> what it does to us has anyone stepped up to the plate and said hey we need to get this stuff off the market because one of the things that I always look at is you go to different countries and they ban certain things. Mm-hmm. And here in America, we seem to just we know that these things are bad for us. People keep coming out with research. Marcola's writing books on it, and just everybody's beating it up. But it's still in our food supply. Is it why? Why? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> I, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it's demand. If we can just stop craving it and wanting it and buying it, there won't be a demand for it anymore. I mean, Pepsi, when it dropped aspartame, you know, made the announcement recently. It said it was dropping aspartame due to customer complaints. Mm And, you know, um, antibiotic-laden chicken was recently um, kicked out of Costco because of customer complaints. So we do have a voice, and it has power, but we need to speak up. Unfortunately, the lobbyists um, are very 
very active. When I was in New Mexico talking to the New Mexico State Legislature about aspartame, there was an, um, a senator there who was interested in this issue. Um, there was a lobbyist there, or a couple of them, that were flooding the issue and confusing the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens every time someone tries to step up and and speak out. They will be silenced by the the lobbyists that are out there that are very powerful and very effective. But if we all got together and we said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> we will we will prevail. We we there's nothing else that we can do. I mean, the th- that is happening with the march against Monsanto with GM Foods. It's slow going, but slowly companies are starting to take GM Foods out of their their products or their restaurants. Chipotle is an example. Mm-hmm. Um, there things can be done if we step up. It's just we cannot give up and say, oh. It's just too much that's going on. I'm just going to let them win. No, no, we don't have to do that. <laughs> we have so much power. If we only knew how much power we have, be, if we think about it, the powers that be, the people that, that call the shots and and do these things to us and create these grievances, these problems, they're less than 1% of the population. They're a very small percentage, and we are massive and huge, and our voices are powerful if we do not get divided by red herring issues. Yeah, we have so much power, and I know that um, I recently did a, a little video and put it on Facebook about the fact that McDonald's profits are dropping. So we're people are definitely becoming more educated. And I always tell people to just vote with your dollars. If there's something that you don't like, just don't buy it because the name of the game is just money. Corporations are only going to offer what they can sell. And if you're not buying the stuff, then um, they're not going to offer it anymore. And you talked about this earlier about Diet Pepsi and I've seen it in pharma myself where um, these things were pulled off the market not because they were uh, they needed to change a formula. It's because they're not selling. You know, I used mm-hmm. to do antibiotics, and there was a certain antibiotic on the market, and antibiotic, doctors just quit using it, and they, they pulled it. They never admitted it was causing anything, but they pulled and said it was because of profits. And that's what they're going to uh-huh. do and never admit anything. But I just think that we have so much power in our dollars. And then we just say, hey, you know what, we're not going to buy this. And you're seeing that. You just mentioned Costco and different things. But, uh, again, I agree with you that we have to start voting with our di- dollars. We have a lot more power than we, than we think we have. We do. We have so much power. We can move mountains. We just need to hunker down and get working. I, I, you know, it it just, it's, it's incredible what we can do and, and companies are responding there and there's Coca-Cola and Pepsi both have come out with new sodas that have stevia in them rather than any artificial sweeteners. 
Coca-Cola has Coke Life and Pepsi has Pepsi True. Mm-hmm. And they're usually in health food stores or maybe a small pre- presence in supermarkets. And, you know, as I said, I don't really recommend their versions of Stevia, but it's so much better than regular diet soda that has aspartame in it. Yeah. So they are responding, but we've got to show them, hey, this is a good thing not uh, that you're doing. Give them encouragement, not not go, oh, well, we don't really care. We care about gay marriage and we care about abortion and we care about, you know, these different things that are just trying to impose our philosophy upon other people rather than live and let live, which I think is the most important philosophy. But there are things that can kill us or let us thrive and be very happy and vibrant and wonderful creatures again. Which one would you prefer to stand behind? Yeah. I tell people like this, Corey. I said, hey, when your food and your water are controlled, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can you can have all these other issues outside of that, but if you cannot eat or drink water, you're done. That's that's yep. the end. That's the end of the game. Corey, I really enjoyed speaking with you, and and um, I commend you for kind of being on the front line and waking me up, having me to be more conscious. I believe that you came out with this documentary in two was it two thousand two. 2005 and 2006 were my two documentaries. Okay. I Um, I I got diagnosed in 2002. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I believe I watched it in 2006 or 7. It was shortly after my mom passed away when I was on this big thing of getting more healthy and and being a lot lot more conscious about what was uh, going on around me. Uh, do you have a website if people want to check out your website or, or get in yeah, contact with it's you? it's sweetremedyradio.com. Great, great. And I have to go in your archives. I didn't get a chance to check out your show, but I'm going to go in the archives um, and listen to some of your shows. Anything you want to say before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your night? No, j- just um, just remember to don't be afraid of speaking out, speaking up, Make a difference in the world and be happy, healthy, and learn to listen to your body because you cannot find a great, easy answer anywhere out there except for within yourself. But your body will tell you if you listen. Yep, I agree with you totally. Thank you, Corey, and uh, hopefully I'll have you back on sometime in the future. I, I love talking to you. I enjoyed talking with you too, Darren, and I'd be happy to be on your show anytime. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Good show tonight. I hope you'll go back and re-listen to it if you're listening to it live. Pass it on to a friend, someone out there who who really needs to know uh, what's going on and how to take a little bit better care of your health. Next week, I'm having Tara Gessling or Gressling on. Uh, I hope I'm pretty sure I'm kind of butchering her name, but she has a book out called The 180 Degree Wellness Revolution. And Tara has a very similar story to Corey's that we spoke with tonight. She was in a wheelchair as well and kind of became a nutritionist, started gardening, 
and really taking care of her health, and she's no longer in a wheelchair and walking good and really taking care of herself. So we'll be speaking with her, and I was supposed to have her on um, the first week of May, and uh, she was a little bit under the weather, so I had to reschedule her on for uh, next week. So we'll be talking to her about the 180-degree wellness revolution. Thanks for listening tonight. I'll see you same fat time, same fat channel next Wednesday. Peace and love, and thanks again.